0: Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology, and today we're going to take a look at this week's Venus-Neptune conjunction in the sign of Pisces. Now, this is a Venus-Neptune conjunction that's actually happening right around Valentine's Day, so if you're someone who likes to celebrate Valentine's Day or you have a reason to celebrate Valentine's Day, then maybe this will hit home and be a little bit, you know, extra special love transit for, for the week of Valentine's Day here. But, you know, a lot of people don't really care about Valentine's Day or worse, you just can't stand it so um certainly don't have to listen to this as like a valentine's day special but it's still regardless of valentine's day being this week uh which kind of it is kind of cool that those two things are are syncing up um if you are celebrating but um regardless venus neptune will be conjoining this week and it's a major transit especially with venus exalted in the sign of pisces so that's what we're going to take a look at today i apologize my camera quality is lower than usual I forgot to plug my camera in last night after I recorded yesterday so once in a once in a while I space and then it you know takes a few hours and this is the only time I have to record today so I was like well I guess this is uh, this is how it's gonna go um so anyway uh before we get into it as always don't forget to like and subscribe share your comments in the comments section um, tell us your thoughts if you have a story to share this week use the hashtag grabbed uh, which is um Uh, a way of telling us exactly how the transit hit home. And it also allows me to use your story in a storytelling episode, which is awesome. If you haven't seen those grabbed episodes, go back in my archives and check them out. You can hear all of the different kinds of life events that happen around the transits for people. A really fun way to learn astrology and kind of celebrate uh, living an astrological life together. So at any rate, before, um, uh, before I keep going, don't Let me, I forget to say that uh, you can find transcripts of any of my daily talks on my website, nightlightastrology.com, if I can talk today. And um, if you go over there, by the way, you're going to find that there is a new class starting. I'm going to take you over to show you that right now. This is the Master Class series, which is really meant for people who have a little background studying astrology already, specifically Hellenistic astrology. If you're brand new to Hellenistic astrology, I would recommend my year one course as an intro uh, to Hellenistic Astrology, you have a little experience already, go down to the Masterclass series under the Courses page, and then you're going to see the Masterclass series, which our um, Winter series begins on February 17th, and that is the Mysteries of the Moon Cycle. So there's per quarter, there's one four-part Masterclass series, four classes on a specific topic. In this one, we're going to be looking in-depth at the synodic cycle of the Sun and Moon in there. The different phasal dynamics and how we read those in birth charts from the ancient uh, or Hellenistic perspective, uh, which is really interesting. There's a lot of interesting nuances in the moon cycle that ancient astrologers uh, paid attention to through the different kinds of aspects that the sun and moon would make to one another, uh, from new moon all the way around to uh, the balsamic moon on the dark side. So... um, In the spring, we're looking at the cycles of Venus and Mercury. In the summer, zodiacal releasing. In the fall, we're looking at temperament and personality all through a traditional Hellenistic lens. So if you have, uh, there is need-based tuition, by the way, if you need a little help, uh, check that out. You can a la carte any of them as well if you just wanted to take one in the Masterclass series. If you have any questions about it, uh, feel free to email us info at nightlightastrology.com. Okay, well, let's take a look at the real-time clock and just get a feel for... Uh, the transit itself that we're looking at you guys know the drill so um, with this transit i think one of the most um uh, important things to note is that this transit is going to hit differently very differently for different people but i thought i would make this fun today and kind of more on the uplifting side i will mention some shadows as we go along but i kind of i titled this talk you know five five reasons to fall in love with um, uh, with Venus and Neptune. And th- and I think that, because I think that there are good reasons to really love this transit. Um, it's one of my favorite transits uh, every time it comes around. Uh, I've noticed, I, like I said, I have noticed uh, sometimes it's not like everything is just roses, turning up roses, but, um, you know, it, it's a beautiful transit that most people subjectively seem to really enjoy or at the very least find themselves, you know, amused by because of how loud it can be. It'll just like really show up. But anyway, here's the, oh, the me, it's the mega circle. I haven't seen you for a while. It's nice to see you. All right, so here we go. So here's, here's, like, it has a personality. So here is Venus and Neptune conjoining in the sign of Pisces. I have it set on Valentine's Day, so you can see how close they are on Valentine's Day. Uh, the actual conjunction will come through on uh, the 15th, uh, Wednesday, February 15th, uh, but at the beginning of this week, they start off in an engagement within three degrees. So, February 12th, you can see it. 13th, it's coming closer. 14th, Valentine's Day, it's one degree off. Should make for a pretty interesting Valentine's Day for a lot of people. Um, even if it only amplifies the degree to which uh, you have um, unfulfilled <laughs> yearnings for love, unfortunately. <laughs> That's a, such a Venus Neptune dynamic, anyway. But <laughs> sorry, I don't mean. <laughs> Oh God. I just, I just, up until I was married, I always hated Valentine's day. Now it's just like a good excuse to have a date night with the, and get a babysitter anyway. So Venus, Neptune, um, will then separate and you have about three degrees of separation all the way through February 18th, um, which is, you know, right. Taking us really through the end of this moon cycle. Uh, and that's important because remember this moon cycle that we're in right now, uh, started if we go back I want to go, I'm just going to go back in time. This moon cycle began, here you can see, there's the two planets coming together, uh, the sun and moon forming the new moon. And it began right as the cycle began, or the cycle began, I should say, as Venus and Saturn were coming together in a conjunction. So the fact that we are ending this moon cycle with Venus conjoining Neptune also shows in a sense that the cycle has taken us on a a journey with regard to venusian things from a harder more abstract kind of place um both more concrete ideal mental rational uh and maybe even working with limits or disappointments in the opening of the cycle with a, a venus saturn conjunction there's a lot that could be said about that but just kind of trying to put some words to it and then venus goes into pisces and sort of ends the cycle with a conjunction to neptune so this lunar cycle, you know, has been a real Venusian journey. And that's one of the big things we've been talking about in my Roots and Spheres program, <clears throat> as we've also been dieting um, uh, Damiana, which is a, a plant that is uh, known as an aphrodisiac. And uh, it's been the plant that we've been working with for the month. Uh, so, okay, well, anyway, so that gives you just a feel for um, the uh, the kinds of, uh, the, the, that gives you a feel for the astrology of it. So, It's coming through on Wednesday, but you have really all the way till Saturday. You could feel it at the start of this week. uh, So that's what to watch for. I try to make these, by the way, if you haven't noticed, I try to make these videos always evergreen in the sense that if you ever just wanted to learn about Neptune and Venus, you could learn about that through this video as much as you could be learning about this week's specific astrology. Um, and I hope that students of astrology will take advantage, go back through the archives, look at any of the videos that I do about aspects between planets, and you'll find that it should be able to enhance your understanding of how to read that combination in birth charts or in any uh, aspect whenever it comes through. A lot of what I do is just about the archetypal combination of planets. Uh, the conjunction is a very, it has that kind of melded ecstasy feeling behind it, though. So it's a, it's a very specific kind of energy. Anyway, uh, let's go through five reasons that I think you are safe to fall in love with this transit if you want to. Now, I will mention some things that, you know, like not everyone who listens to this is going to have like the world's greatest week of love or something, you know, so I don't want to set people up to feel like uh, disappointed because it really depends on where things are at in your birth chart, what other major transits are happening in your birth chart and, you know, whether you're someone who, you know, inherently sort of is open to Venus, Neptune kinds of things, uh, you know, or, or, uh, you know, is just in a season in life right now where that this transit will have, you know, more of a personal impact. And all of those things are, they make talking about transits very challenging, but Regardless, you should be able to see at least one of these things come through, or if not, then some of the maybe the lessons that come along with these five reasons. That I think it's safe to love Venus and Neptune, and I say that it's safe to love them because one of the most popular things that you will hear is people being like, "Okay, this week don't drink the Kool-Aid. You know, beware of of falling in love with an illusion and a mirage, and you know you're going to get carried away and." I tend to think this kind of explanation whenever Neptune comes up is like, uh, way overdone. Uh, so I'm going to tell you five reasons why I think it's okay to fall in love with Venus Neptune this week. Number one is the romance. This is a transit for romantics. And that doesn't mean that it has to be about romantic love. It certainly could be about romantic love, but I'm talking about romance as in the lens through which we see the world with devotion, love, um, fascination, awe, beauty. There's a way of looking at the world that is inherently appreciative. And by appreciative, I don't mean like, oh, I just feel so much gratitude. Like you could feel gratitude. That'd be part of it. But what I'm talking about is more like a, a, a sense of just appreciating the, the complexity and the beauty of life, the richness of life, the uh, d- sort of the, the density of life and the beauty at the same time. And I say that because Venus Neptune has this very all-encompassing, overwhelming feeling to it. It has a feeling of multi-dimensional romantic appreciation. So I think you can you can just this week is a week where the romantic and slightly melancholic, let's be real, um, this transit in Venus exalted in Pisces in general can carry with it almost a feeling of yearning and dissatisfaction, which will be greatly amplified, by the way, when Saturn enters Pisces. Which, And I personally think that that kind of yearning and dissatisfaction coupled with romantic longing and a sort of romantic way of seeing the world is the the kinds of qualities that generate good art interesting um you know uh, interesting people and in relationships and um i just don't think the world would be very interesting without that kind of yearning dissatisfaction slash um you know uh, romanticism so just appreciate the romantic quality of the week and try to notice you know, you can go to an extreme. You can go on the side of getting sort of like, you know, almost like a, a manic rom- romantic impulsiveness, where you can also swing into the other side, which would be like maybe a dissatisfied divine discontent and longing for something. It's It's fueled by desire and beauty, but it's restless and dissatisfied. If you go too far in either direction, sort of manically optimistic and just infatuated, or you know, if you go in too far in the direction of sort of like discontent and nothing's ever good enough, but you know, either extreme uh, will probably, um, you know, would probably indicate that you're getting you're getting sort of possessed in an in an unhealthy way. I would imagine, although you know, sometimes just who who knows if what control we have anyway? So, so the romance though, watch for, enjoy, taste the romance. Whether it's that kind of melancholic, brooding, longing uh, quality, which is really it's a beautiful thing to to taste. I remember you know one of the things that really appealed to me when I got into the study of um, Bhakti Yoga was the the sense that. Our longing for the divine should, at times, feel a little painful, while also feeling um, so filled with uh, desire, right? And that's a that's a like a religious ecstatic sentiment um, that we can ex- express or experience for life itself. Um, so, you know, maybe we'll find ourselves. Uh, know sort of hopeless romantics this week and i think that could be the most wonderful thing in the world especially knowing that it's like you you have to we have to remember that these are these are like you know weather fronts they're they're just moving through and um it's okay to just enjoy them and to to just be in them they they pass so quickly anyway um and and so you know don't I, i would always like tell people not try to control it too much number two is the redemption one of the most amazing things about Venus-Neptune is the way that things that were broken or torn apart can suddenly feel like they're being melded or yoked back together. So the feeling of something being redeemed or saved or healed or helped or fixed or resolved or mediated or, um, you know, brought together in some gentle healing union. Um, so the, the, one of the features of Neptune um, conjoining Venus and Pisces is the feeling of something being redeemed. And you may notice this, that it could be a very simple thing. Like you could just feel like, um, you know, you're you're you've had some rough edges with someone in your life. And this week, just in your heart, you suddenly feel like that those rough edges are just melting away. And there's a sense of of redemption. There's a feeling of um, letting go. Uh, and and so the redeeming, healing, saving, releasing qualities—I'll just broadly refer to as the redemptive qualities of Venus and Neptune—and there's something that you know it's it's a very beautiful thing um, that most people, when we have a Venus Neptune transit, if you experience this, it, you know it's like it's the equivalent of a rain shower when it's just really hot and humid and gross, and you suddenly get this gentle breeze and a little cool rain and. Everything just kind of releases. So I feel like that's one of the you know the best upsides of the week. Of course, it can get a little dramatic. You can always uh you can always try to be healing and saving and redeeming things out of some kind of um you know some some from some place of, of egoic uh you know or heroic fantasy. Uh but anyway, number three is the realism. Now this one sounds kind of strange, but one of the effects that Neptune has is to amplify the distinction between the imaginal and the sort of literal slash concrete mundane or earthly different ways of talking about the same kind of dichotomy. Um, so for example, sometimes people will say, oh, Venus and Neptune, it'll fill you with all this romantic uh, longing, but you have to be careful because it'll all be, uh, you know, mirages. It'll all be illusions or something like that. And I just, I one of the reasons I don't Love that uh, particular um, interpretation is that uh, it's really more nuanced than that. So if you if Venus and Neptune fills you with a a longing, a dream, a desire, a wish, a fantasy, pay close attention to the nature of that fantasy. And usually, what you'll find is that within it there's a message about something that um, you 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 don't like or you're on you're not quite satisfied with, and regardless of whether you act on the fantasy or not, in other words, the fantasy can be um, really informative when it comes to understanding, um, you know, what's working and what isn't. I mean, how many times, in other words, do you have a fantasy, a vision, a hope, a dream, a desire that you become infatuated with and you realize that that that's it's arising within you because something else isn't working or you're dissatisfied with something. So if you before acting on the impulse of the fantasy, if you can take the fantasy as a kind of message from the soul about what you do or don't like or what is or isn't working, then the fantasy has the ability to be um, very practically informative and very realistic. I find that the things that I dream and yearn for are usually like, if I sit with them a little bit, in other words, that they They'll tell me exactly why i'm longing for something or why i'm i'm dreaming or fantasizing about something and then okay that's really instructive you know and then maybe i do or don't act on that fantasy or impulse or wish or hope or whatever um but a lot of the times before i can move toward that i can just take that that pr- sort of practical wisdom that the fantasy is coupled to and um, I can use it to start making changes that then, you know, take me incrementally closer toward, you know, a, a new set of a new vision or a new set of um, desires or hopes. So I, I think that one of the things that Neptune does in general is it sort of amplifies the distinction between the way things are and, um, and the, way things that, the way that we wish things would be. And that distinction itself, if you look at it, not just as the fantasy, but as the distinction between the way something is and the way you wish it is, wish it was, and you sort of work with that, again, it can be um, just really, really helpful. And in that sense, I find that Neptune transits are often not talked about enough as transits of, of tremendous realism. Uh, there's nothing that puts you in touch closer with the real than a fantasy. Um, because, and it's not that a fantasy isn't real either. <clears throat> It's that what I'm trying to say is that fantasies always exist in relation to um, uh, what is, you know, or what 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 um, you know the current state of things compared to some desired state of things, and that juxtaposition is, to my mind, um, one of the most overlooked elements of of Neptune. Neptune will uh, like when, for example, in charts when Neptune hits Venus in a person's birth chart, I will find that they will often become uh, you know, tremendously more aware of exactly what they, what is wrong or not working in their marriage. And, but that also comes while they may yearn or long or hope or wish for something more or something better. Now, if they can, if, if a client, if I can help them just kind of say, you know, don't get, don't get totally swept up in all of this, uh, fantasy maybe that includes the desire to uh you know have an affair or something like that before you go and act on that this fantasy is also informing you about what's not working in your marriage which you know maybe you should discuss with your your spouse or your significant other or whatever so and then if you do it's amazing how the marriage will move toward that ideal or If the marriage can't move toward that ideal, you'll be closer toward the dissolution of what isn't working so that that fantasy, which is like a little seed that wants to grow, uh, can take root and shape. But it's never it never it almost never turns out the fantasy is almost never the thing that will end up uh, coming into being. It's the image of uh, of something that's desiring to uh, grow and manifest. Um, But you know, the, the, the ways that it appears to us or that we think it will appear in our minds are in a sense, just like, uh, just a calling to let something take root, if that makes sense. So anyway, I think that there's a, a, a tremendously realistic and practical side to Venus and Neptune that come along sort of oddly with the fantasies. I hope that makes sense. Number four is the lack of reason. So we were, uh, you know, we were eating the other day and, um, uh, my wife was explaining um why she really loved something that she was eating, and she was, you know, she was explaining it in terms of like how uh, uh, we see we both work with people like acupuncturists, Ayurvedic practitioners, blah blah blah. So she was talking about her constitution and how this food felt really good for her constitution, and da da da, and she was kind of like, you know, I I just got to a point where I was like well, you know, it's also okay to just love the food that you're eating. You don't have to have like a, a constitutional reason and, you know, and uh, you know, whatever. And she, she looked at me and she was like, yeah, you're right. I'm I, yeah. I mean, it could be all of those things, but I can also just be like, I love this food. Oh my God. I don't I just, like, just love this food and I don't need like a, a reason for it. And the only reason that I said that to her, I'm, I'm sure I sound like I was like being Pedantic or something, and I was I, I, the only reason I said that is because one of the major breakthroughs that I had for myself in like the past year or two, um, as I've had some transits to my ascendant ruler, which has a lot to do with your health and your uh, your body and stuff like that, is in my 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 Jungian therapist that I see was really helpful with me, uh, helping me with this too. Was to that you don't know you don't need to have a reason for loving what you love or for enjoying something that you enjoy. And so, of course, I'm I'm just like, I'm just like parroting something that I've learned. I'm like, you know, and but at any rate, in this one moment, I happen to not come off. Uh, my wife agreed with me and I and I, I happen to not come off like uh, I was uh, preaching at her, which uh, is very easy to do for both of us because we're both like or she's into herbs. I'm into astrology. So it's very easy for us to uh, be like, oh, you should, you know, think this way or take this herb or blah, blah, blah. But actually after, I would say after many years, we've gotten a lot better at like not coaching each other on stuff. Anyway, um, I think that the point was that, you know, there the point of that encounter that I thought was really cool was that, you know, my wife sort of realized it and she was like, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't, there's no, I need, there's no reason that I need to be really enjoying this food right now. <laughs> like, And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's such a big deal for me too. Like for, I would say like my biggest example would be um, that when I was really involved in the religious community that I was a part of more recently, the bhakti yoga world, uh, which is a beautiful spiritual tradition. Don't get me wrong. Um, But one of the things that I would be constantly battling with was like, you know, all of the uh, worldly stuff, the stuff that was more about, you know, just like my body, like working out or, you know, watching, going to a basketball game or, you know, just stuff that was kind of like in the world. I was always working. Uh, there was like a, a little meta thing going on in my mind being like trying to justify it or, or like, you know, and it, and one of the big breakthroughs for me was in being like, you know, I'm, I I just love what I love. And uh, there, needs, there does not need to be a reason or an explanation or a justification. And I think that's, you know, remember that Venus in Pisces was naturally opposite um, Mercury and Virgo in terms of exaltations. And so one of the things that was said about those two planets is that if you put Mercury in the sign of Pisces, uh, it doesn't do so well. It's in its fall. Well, if you put Venus in the sign of uh, Mercury, sign of Virgo, it's in its fall. So why is that? They said it's because the intellectual and the sensual have a natural kind of archetypal opposition to one another. It doesn't mean they can't be working together either. It just means that they tend to be polarized. It's one thing that's really wonderful about Venus and Pisces is that you can let go of your head. You can let go of thinking about things um, and you can just, you can just love what you love, Uh, which is, again, like, I feel like, you know, that's, it's, it's a huge thing. It's, it's just a thing that I see over and over again. And honestly, when people have Neptune Venus transits in their charts too, I feel like one of the things I end up repeating to people over and over and over again in those sessions is it's okay to just love what you love. You know, obviously, if it's unless it's it's harming you or or whatever, but you know, there's there's moments in other words where we are all just overthinking things, or we we're there's like we can't just turn the the thing off in our head that has to make sure it's okay to feel good, you know, and just be like, I enjoy this, this tastes good, I love this, I like doing that, I like being with you. And does it need no, it doesn't need a reason, I just feel it, right? So, anyway, the lack of reason is a really nice feature of Venus and Neptune. I hope that makes sense realize as soon as I told the story, I was like, Oh man, that probably makes me seem like a real jerk to my wife. But, uh, but it was, I I feel like she, you can just tell when you're with someone, you can just tell when they're going into their head. And I I really appreciate when my wife helps me get out of my head too. So hopefully, uh, that won't sound like I was uh, being a dick, but anyway, um, number five is the reciprocal. I end with this one. So the reciprocal, um, Oh, how can I put it? Well, I brought up the etymology, so let's look at the etymology to start with. That'll be a good place to start. I like this, which is uh, from the Latin reciprocus, which means returning the same way, returning the same way. That's a really, I mean, that little phrase is packed full of meaning. Um, so I think that one of the things that we we have, there's a gospel in our culture of independence, be self-sufficient, be independent, and anything that is more dependent in nature tends to be called codependent, or it tends to be called like, uh, you know, like needy or something like that. But let's imagine that life itself is relational; that the universe and reality itself, that its very nature is relational. In which case, the ultimate relating, you could say, is the giving and giving and receiving of love. And that love can happen in a million different ways. It can express itself in a million different activities. And that's what's so beautiful about the, the, the life that we all share together is that there are so many ways of giving and receiving of appreciation, affection, interest. Let's, I'm using those words to also kind of point to love. But Where Venus-Neptune comes in, it says, drop the whole I'm an individual, sovereign, self-defining, you know, agent of change. (laughs) Like, you know, the heroic narrative where we're all monads, you know, walking up the hill with a cross on our back and we're trying to individuate and all this stuff. It's fine, but consider Venus-Neptune's message. Actually, you live in a relational universe in which reciprocity is the air we breathe just a a kind of fluid current current currents uh, fluid currents of exchange and that it's okay to be a dependent being rather than an independent being it's okay to seek your identity in your relationships not just thinking to yourself well i'm there somehow i'm deficient if i'm more of a relationship person if i tend to feel more like myself when i'm with other people that does not make you bad or deficient. It doesn't mean that you need to go do a sweat lodge somewhere with some group of people. <laughs> you know. So um, I just encourage you to embrace the weenus and reciprocal kind of fluid exchanging relational uh, quality of Venus-Neptune. Venus-Neptune invites us to be part of webs of relationships. Okay. So those are my five reasons that I think you can fall in love with Venus-Neptune. Now, any of those reasons could also potentially be the source of someone's undoing, right? So that's what's so interesting about astrology. But but I think it's good to, um, you know, sometimes you just have to tip the scales. Sometimes you have to look at an archetype from the standpoint of the most hopeful, exciting, redemptive themes. Um, and then, you know, you can as you do so, you can kind of, you can be aware of like what's in the shadow, but it's kind of like, you know, the way that I would put it's like this. When you look at archetypes and you know, you know, like, let's say, you know, that they're, they're like gods and they're going to come visit your house. Well, if you had a friend coming to visit your house, would you like sit down with your family and be like, all right, well, you know, we know that Sheila is super shitty or she can be, you know, and we know that she likes to preach about this and that. So, you know, uh, hide the stuff that has the corn syrup, put it, you know, or like whatever it is. <laughs> like, you know, so it's like you, wh- who would do that? You, you know, when Sheila's coming over and I, I don't know why the name Sheila came to me, I guess it just, <laughs> just popped in my head, but, and so much love to all of you Sheila's out there. But anyway, you could be like, she's coming over. It's going to be great. You know? And then, you know, you, it's not that you're, you know, you're ignorant of the fact that, you know, Sheila has a shadow side. But you amplify and prepare for and invite the best of someone when they're coming over. And so I think it's important sometimes, especially with transits, that people tend to look a gift horse in the mouth. It's like, how many times have I already been seeing people writing about Venus, Neptune and be like, OK, watch out for the drunkenness. You know, it's like I, I, it's amazing to me how regularly Neptune transits get this reputation of being like just you just can't trust them, you know. So I'm choosing to sort of say, hey, here's uh here's some of the, the best reasons that we have to welcome this wonderful house guest over this week. And um, you know, if <laughs> if Venus Neptune ends up, you know, walking around and uh making a mess in our in our homes, you know, uh filling us with all sorts of unrealistic expectations and gaslighting us into believing that some other world is better than this one or whatever, like, fine, we'll deal with it. when <laughs> We'll deal with it when it happens, you know, but I'm, uh, I'm inviting, I'm inviting Sheila over and we're going to focus on the good stuff. All right. That's what I've got for today. Hope you guys are having a good one. I hope you'll enjoy this, whether you are uh, enjoying uh, Valentine's day or feeling salty, lonely, and annoyed by it. Uh, so that's it for today. We'll see you again tomorrow. Take it easy, everyone. Bye.